Hello everyone, and welcome to the show. Today I'll be reviewing Chapter 4 of the Book of Boba Fett. The Gathering Storm. Ah, what a title. I'm really, really excited to talk about this episode with you. So join me in a minute. It is your destiny. Hello there, everyone. My name is Brennan Marr. <laughs> that noise you're hearing is my ventilator, and welcome to the Boba's Book Club, presented by Page Turners. They were not my Star Wars podcast. All right, we are going to review. <laughs> Episode 4, The Gathering Storm. Or should I say, Chapter 4. Okay, yet again, it begins with Vulva in a Vector tank. Vulva yeah, in Vector. It rhymes. Or not rhymes, but good alliteration. So, he's... Wandering the deserts of Tatooine on a panther. And we don't know the time, how much time has passed. He rides to Jabba the Hutt's palace. He looks through the scope of his rifle and sees the garage door. And he knows his ship is in there. The Great Slave One, or as he calls it, the Fire Spray. So it's still there. Now some of you may ask, what in the world is Slave One still doing in Java's garage? After all these years, you'd think that they would have used it. Uh, or whatever, and maybe they did. I don't know. Later in the episode, it suggests that it hasn't been flown in a while. So what was it doing just sitting there in, in uh, I guess at the time, Bid Fortuna's garage? Um, I don't know. That is a very good question. Um, I guess they were just like, yeah, whatever. I don't know. It's a very, very good question. Okay, so anyhow, he notices there are way too many guards. And, uh, you know, he goes off, hangs out at a campfire in the moonlight, shares dinner with his Bantha. He seems to have a very good relationship with his Bantha. And this is really cool, getting to see the Bantha in more detail. Then, you know, the original movie, they were just um, elephants with a tarp thrown over them. You know. Not very interesting. Okay. Well, as he's sitting out there, he notices a flare in the sky. 
He goes over, and who does he find? Fennec Shand, who's dying. And then we see that same shot of Boba Fett's booted feet as he approaches Fennec. Just like we saw in The Mandalorian. This is tying us into The Mandalorian Season 1, Chapter 5, The Gunslinger, when Toro Calican shot Fennec Shand and left her for dead. Boba gathers her, and where does he take her? To a mod parlor. Remember those um, speeder bike riding youth that everyone is annoyed with last week? That's where Volva takes her. And I like that because um, it's saying, no, we're not done with this story. And I enjoy that because um, I actually don't mind the speeder kids. Anyhow, mod artist uh, repairs her with some cybernetics in her uh, midsection, in her, her torso. Now, the, it lingers a while on her repair. Now, why does it do that? Well, let us cast our minds back to Chapter 7 of Season 1 of The Mandalorian. In which Queel, uh, the old Ugnaught, explains retraining IG 11. I heard one or two people say that that scene was pointless. I disagree. But the scene of Queel explaining the retraining of IG 11 and Fennec being rebuilt. I think, are illustrating that these are stories about change. That these are stories about characters changing their nature. Whether by choice or whether by force. Bobo was kind of forced to rebuild himself from the ground up. Because he was left or dead, his armor was taken... Captured by Tuskens, he became the low man. The low man on the ladder. He had to work his way up. So that, I think, is why we're seeing the detail of Fennec Sharon being rebuilt. Because we're seeing that these are stories about people rebuilding who they are. Anyhow, long story short, Fennec and Boba retrieve Slave One, or the Fire Spray Gunship. Now, interesting that Boba Fett recognizes her. He says, you're Master Assassin Fennec Shand of the Mid-Rim. Interesting. Um, the Mid-Rim is part of the galaxy that is, um, as his name would suggest, in between the Outer Rim and the, and another, and a closer part of the center of the galaxy. And she, she's heard of him, too. 
Jimmy, I have to get the ship back after some really fun and very humorous antics in the Jehovah's Palace. And the um, it, it's really funny because they get into the kitchen. They sneak in through a culvert. They get into the kitchen. And it was really, really funny. Because there's a cook droid with multiple arms. Which I thought was absolutely hilarious. And then the head droid, you know, they're shift droids. Which makes me laugh. And then they've got this little LEP series droid. Flip droid that kind of looks like a rabbit. It's a rat catcher. And there's a big silly chase scene and a funny fight scene with the shift droid. I mean, just very, very charming. I, I love that one of the sous chef droid is making stew or soup and some kind of creature sticks its head out of the soup and he whacks him on the head. It, it just kills me. It is, it is hilarious. You know, original trilogy, Return of the Jedi style humor. Also, we seem to have discovered in the Star Wars universe that um, soup or stew is inherently disgusting. Yeah, we've seen it with the, that weird chowder, the squid thing that attacked Grogu. We see it with Yoda's root leaf stew. It's just funny. And then there's this fight scene to get Slaythorn out of the uh, hangar. And they succeed. And Fennec decides to stick around. Just because... Yeah, it's funny because um, so Boba Fett says he has a few scores to settle, and he and Shan take off. Now I'm assuming this is around the time that they go and get his armor from the Mandalorian on Tython. And uh, that's the end. Well, that's not the end, but before they leave the planet. They go and um, make mincemeat of the Kenton Striders, the biker gang that supposedly murdered all the Tuscans. Now, earlier in the episode, Finnick had been suspicious of the fact that the biker gang was able to kill Tuscan Raiders. She thinks there might be more to it, and I probably agree. I think the Pikes did it. But anyhow, the Kimpton Striders are still not good. And they probably played a part in it. Bubba takes them out real good.
coming, you know, flying from behind their speeder bikes and blasting them from the sky. This is, I swear, this is a kid playing with his toy show. And then he goes and tries to find his armor in, well, but he, he goes in to investigate and try to find his armor in the pit of Carcoon. But the Sarlacc attacks Slave One, and its tentacle grabs onto the ship, and he can't pull away. So with Thenix's help, guess what they do? Yep. Ken Knapsack's favorite thing. And something that I was so happy to see again. They drop a seismic charge into the maw of the Sarlacc. Yep, fire in the hole, as Shan yells, and kaboom. Including that amazing sound of the seismic charge going off. Yes, Attack of the Clones reference, I love it. So that's probably the end of the Sarlacc, I would assume. Bulba climbs in, which I think is disgusting. Armor's not in there. But Fennec says the armor probably saved you from getting dissolved by the acid. Slowly dissolved, I would assume. And she says, I recommend you use a back to tank. And that's the end of the flashback. Okay, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, we will finish discussing this episode. Here's a word from our sponsor. Okay, we are back. All right. So he's back in the, well, that wasn't quite the end of the flashback, but suffice to say, Bulba really explains to Fennec that he wants to form his own house, or I think as Fennec calls it, let me think. Earlier in the episode, let me let me look. What's the word she uses? Gotra, I think is the word she uses. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah, Gotra. A Gotra. I assume that's that's health. And he sort of explains his plan to to Fennec. And they decide to really team up. And says, you know, I want you on my side. I'm going to give you something that no client has ever offered you. Loyalty. He's going to cut her in on the success and pledge his life to protect hers. And Shan said, Fennec says something very interesting. She says, living with the Tuscans has made you soft. But Bubba says, no, 
living with them has made me strong. You can only get so far without a tribe. Wow. Yes, that is it. Star Wars is a story of finding family. Not the people you're related to. Not necessarily. But finding the people that you can call family. There it is. Okay, then he wakes up from his um, back to tank. And one of the droids tells him, you are completely healed. Now, I think that he's healed of his wounds, but I think it also means we might be done with the flashbacks. I think we are. The, the healing the wounds of the past are done. And he can move on. So anyhow, the mob gang is out looking for the mayor of Mos Espa. He's still hiding. Um, they have the mayor's majordomo. I guess he's singing like a yuzum, according to Shand. So I wonder what information he's divulging. And, um, you know, Bubba wants to show his face in town. Fennec says he should rest, but Bulba says power hates a vacuum. Very important piece of information. Very important advice. And then we cut to the sanctuary. I love this place. Well, who's sitting there but Black Brissante? He's sitting in a booth watching some Trandoshans win at gambling. And he's starting to get angry. Now, Trandoshans and Wookiees are enemies. They're, their species are enemies. They have been for a long time. And Trandoshans used to like to hunt Wookiees. And Evan only knows what Wookiees have done to Trandoshans. Because usually it goes both ways. His knuckle dusters, or his brass knuckles, start charging with electricity. And then he gets in a fight with them. Starts beating him up. And in a very, very funny shot that I really like, Bubba walks in the door just as a Trandoshan hits the wall right next to him and knocks over a potted plant. Classic comedy fight scene moment. I love it. And then, so Black Crescentin's beating up one of them, and then one of the Trandoshans throws a glass mug at Crescentin. Crescentin grabs the Trandoshan, he's choking him, and Lady Garza Flip shows up. By the way, Jennifer Beals as Garza Flip is seriously hot. I think I have a new character crush. Well, she intervenes. It's really funny. She uses a lot of flattering words and a lot of you know, gentle words like, oh, we, we know you're a legend. We used to draw we used to draw crowds and we know that you've won every trophy. 
Wouldn't it be dishonorable to dismember the Trend Ocean? Yeah, you don't need to prove anything using very gentle words. And Lycrosantin considers it. And he lets the Trend Ocean go, but, um... Well, Garza says, um, you run up a significant bar tab, and if you release the Trandoshans, I'll wipe the debts out of your book. But Crescenta considers it, lets the Trandoshan go, but not before he rips his arm off in view of the patrons. And everybody screams. It's it's hilarious and terrifying. And I just gotta say, Black Crescentin looks amazing. He looks so cool. Uh, it's so amazing to see this character who was introduced in comics about six years ago. I remember reading the, the very first Darth Vader comic from, I think it was 2015. I read it when it came out. Seeing this new character, this Wookiee. Now that he's a live action, oh my word. And he looks amazing. Anyhow. So, Black Crescentin walks out, and then Boba says to Garza, Yeah, it was worth a shot. I love that. And then Garza's like, Max, hit it. You know, Max Rebo, that is Max Rebo, the blue uh, elephant-looking alien playing the music in, playing the keyboard in the sanctuary is the very same one band was playing at Jabba's Palace in Return of the Jedi. And I love that, you know, it's like, hit it, play music, we'll just forget that this happened. You know, very, uh, Casablanca. Like, sorry about that, folks, play some music, Sam, you know. Anyhow. Anyhow, so, Boba then goes to Black Crescentin. And he says, you know what? You need a job. I can offer you a job. And then we cut to a banquet at Bulba's Palace. You're wanting to call it Jada's Palace, but it's Bulba's Palace. So the various groups are there. The Trandoshan family, the Kletwinian family, and the Oculish family. And, you know, they're talking about what's going on. These guys were captains under Jabba. But then left when Bib Fortuna took over. And Black Crescentin is also there in the meeting. has muscle, I think. And I, I like that, that Boba is building up his allies. 
schizophrenia, they talk, and Bubba is talking about, he's saying, I don't want to encroach on your guys' territory. And, um, you know, you guys don't have to pay me anything. He's like, I want to make a mutually beneficial, beneficial, mutually beneficial proposal. Kind of reminds me of what Luke's hologram said to Jabba. Return of the Jedi. Anyhow, the he's saying the Pikes are moving into Mosespa. They've absorbed Tatooine as part of their spice trade. And apparently they've been bribing the mayor. According to Boba. You know, and and the Trandoshans like we make a lot of money with the sale of that spice in our territory. The Klaatuinians are like, why do you deserve to be the daimyo? By the way, I love that they're using the word daimyo. A daimyo is a lord in Japan. You know, in the old uh, feudal Japan days, a daimyo is the lord, what the local lords were called. And it's funny, so the Klaatuinians like, what prevents us from killing you and taking what we want? And just then, Boba's rancor hits the trap door under the table, causing everything to shake, startling the guest. So he's got a little bit of the fear tactics going on in there, even though he claims he doesn't want to rule with fear. <laughs> I wonder if the Huts gave him the rancor because they were trying to corrupt him. And say, oh, if he uses the rancor, he'll give him to fear tactics. I don't know. You know, then, then the, the Akalish leaders, like, what are you proposing? Yeah, reminder of that line from Rogue One. What is she proposing? Uh, Cox is the name of the Akalish. And then Boba says, we should all join in an alliance against the Pikes. And the Platoonians like, well, they've only threatened you. So basically, all three families agree that it's not their war. So, Boba says, I'm going to fight them alone. And the proposal will be you guys stay out of it and stay neutral. <laughs> and don't join the Pikes. And stay out of it. To which they agree. So, as they're leaving later, they're what Boba and Fennec are watching from a balcony. And Fennec says, Do you trust them? And he says, I trust them to work for their own self-interest. He says, my deal's better than what the Pikes would offer. And Bova says that he doesn't think that they are foolish enough um I'm sorry, I'm looking at this. 
basically saying that they're 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 not foolish enough to get involved. We'll see if that ends up being true. And then Fennec's like, well, how much treasure do we got? But I was like, well, we got we got plenty. We're short on muscle though. And then Fennec says, credits can buy muscle if you know where to look. And guess what we hear at that moment? Da-da! The Mandalorian theme. Okay, folks. I'm assuming that that means Din Djarin, the Mando himself, will appear. We shall see. But that music cue is very deliberate. And not just, oh, that kind of sounds like it. No, that was it. And played loudly as a big sting. So there it is. There is the end of Chapter 4 of The Gathering Storm. I love this episode. It's got great moments of comedy and whimsy. Great moments of action. Great moments of world building and filling in the gaps of the story. Always good to see Slave 1 or the Fire Spray gunboat again. Sorry, Fire Spray gunship. Anyhow, those are my thoughts. I love this episode. I thought it was great. I cannot wait to see where we go next. And those are my thoughts on Chapter 4, The Gathering Storm. Let me know what you think. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to Boba's Book Club. Presented by Page Turners, They Were Not, my Star Wars podcast. May the Force be with you. <laughs>